Hi, and welcome to this six-part podcast on the power of the written and spoken word with our very special guest, writer, poet, and performance artist, Cecily Holland. Author of All Who Sail In Us, Cecily, welcome. In this first episode, Cecily talks to us about her Irish immigrant parents and her Irish Catholic upbringing. My parents came to this country, uh, they came separately. Dad came for work in 1948, and then my mother came in 1949 they came from an island to to Manchester they had well they had to come here for work really because there wasn't any work in Ireland and uh, they were very poor they were living hand to mouth and uh, my dad came first and got a job and didn't send any money to my poor mother back in Ireland so she had to come on her own with her three little children charming father and uh, so she then only discovered there was nowhere to live when she arrived, so she had to go to the priest. And um, the priest was, uh, I'm not sure if he was Irish or not, no, I don't think he was. A lot of the priests were Irish, but he was very aware of the Irish community. He got somewhere to live, and um, my mother went on to have ten more children, which was a very Irish Catholic thing to do at the time. Yeah, so growing up, we had very much, we were very aware of um, our Irish culture, even though we were living in a very working-class English community, which Mum was quite surprised about how nice they were. Um, she thought that the English were going to be pretty horrible, I think, because of the history of England. <laughs> but she um, she was very pleasantly surprised. She was a bit taken aback when they just didn't knock on the door and just walked in, um, which they did in the north of England at that time. But they were very helpful to her. And the next-door neighbour, this old lady, she said to her, they won't say if they want to use washer. I mean, Mum just looked totally stunned. She didn't have a clue what she meant and what she was saying. And what she was roughly translated, she, she said to my mum, you want to say if you want to use the washing machine, which was, again, Mum was really taken aback with the kindness. And, and she looked after, she helped look, looked after the, the children, the next door neighbour did, quite a lot and was very helpful. So it was sort of a bit of a slight contradiction as to... So Mum just made her own way, really, in England. We were very much... We were Irish. We were 100% Irish, even though all our friends were English and we, we didn't know any, any other Irish families. I think we might have known one, maybe, possibly two. Mum's family were very involved, her father particularly, with um, Irish Ireland getting um, home rule. Because when she was born in 1921, Ireland was still ruled by England. And there was, there was actually, they didn't get home rule until 1922, the year after she was born. And she was born, it was a, under a curfew. You weren't allowed out after dark. And she was born about nine, nine o'clock, I think, in the evening. And it was dark, or after nine. And the doctor had to come out to deliver her and risk his life because it was shoot to kill. She always used to say that, and when she was really old, she used to go, Dr Kennedy risked his life to come out to deliver me. So and there was, she used to tell us all the different stories about what, what had happened, like first-hand accounts, you know, like her father was actually the secretary of the council, and he, so he worked for the government, like anyone who worked for the council worked for the government, and the government was English. So Home Rule came, 
it was it was so much local fighting like as in in a lot of countries when countries get their freedom they all they fight for power and you know and they they um so used to tell us these stories they went round local people and they torched various buildings like the local um council offices and the local jail and the courts and things like that one day they came down there was a like a a, a posse so they were looking they put a cross on, on, on my fam, on my grandfather and grandmother's house, a, a skull and crossbones, and that was a marker of a, to torture it. That was, they were going to torture it. And as they were walking along, they'd come to do it because they said that he worked for the English, but he was really, really pro-Irish. He was so... didn't And it was awful. It was really sad. So one of, the, one of these gang, pre-RA chaps, said, no, he's a good man, so don't, don't do it. So they let him off, thank God. We were very, very... I was almost a pro-IRA. We weren't pro-IRA. We were very pro-freedom. And we would sing rebel songs, which Mum wasn't like that. Mum didn't... She didn't like that side, you know, terrorism and what have you. How has this, these stories, impacted your style of writing today? Well, it's at my very core because it's a belief and it's so powerful it's so strong because i've got a photographic memory and i think my mum and my and my grandpa her father did as well i think because when they when they torched when they burnt down the courts in in ireland where they lived in the town they destroyed all the, the records the registrars so all the births and deaths and he rewrote them all by hand because he that was he worked in that but he could remember the dates and things like that and, and mum had a very good memory and I've got a, a really it's photographic memory so it's it's sort of she can tell me conversations and exact word for words things that he said word for word and so it's it's very old I feel, I, there was a time when she was when she was when she was in the 90s before she died she was she used to, um, it's my foundation, so, so, and it's a way of being with people and seeing people, observing and writing down situations and feelings. That's, that's, that's a lot of it, I think, is, is me, is, is feelings entirely how I want, because that's the only way that I can do it in any way. And I also, people, people don't, who aren't Irish don't notice it, but might be, I haven't got an Irish accent, but sometimes when I speak, the way, my words, my wording and the way I speak is Irish. So Irish people, well, not I, I look very Irish anyway, so, so that's obvious to them, but it's the way I speak as well, so they can tell that I'm Irish. And sometimes when I'm in Ireland, I suddenly get an Irish accent when I'm actually over there, so that's like really like... <laughs> what discrimination and prejudice do you think that Irish writers in the community experience? Well, I don't know any Irish Irish writers, really. Would you say it's just working class writers as a whole that face that kind of discrimination? I think I think so. I, I think that anyone who isn't um, white middle class in England is is discriminated against massively. I think it's huge, and I think it's just been completely and utterly ignored forever, which is a tragedy. To be honest, I don't really know any working class writers, and I tend to avoid middle class writers. Because they exclude me. I only have to open my mouth and I'm excluded in some ways, I feel. Or, well, not really excluded, but people make assumptions about me. So I don't put myself in, and they said in danger, then I don't put myself in a position to be for that to happen anymore. You know, so I just stick to my gums. <laughs> 
I'd like to thank Cecily Holland for her amazing contribution to this podcast series, and a thank you to her publicist Caroline Brennan for setting this all up. You can find more about Cecily's work on Instagram. See you in the next episode on the power of the written and spoken word. Thanks for listening.